Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. I'm going to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Romans. Um, so we're going to be primarily in Romans chapter 10, but then naturally we're going to read our, our uh, primary verse is going to come out of uh, Isaiah. So that's just kind of how it's working this morning. Um, we come this morning to the second candle in the Advent wreath, and that is the peace candle. In the video that we just watched, we saw missionaries talking about people that are longing to find peace. And in some cases, that peace even means trying to cast a spell upon missionaries who've come to show them what real peace is. Um, You know, from beauty queens to hippies, uh, everyone seems to be concerned with peace, right? So you watch a, you watch a beauty pageant, ask them what, what is, what's the biggest thing that that we need in our world today? World peace, right? If if you're familiar with Miss Congeniality, that was a running joke throughout the movie, world peace. Uh, Now, now typically when we think of peace, we think of the absence of conflict, okay? In fact, even dictionary.com gives the definition as, uh, of peace. It says the normal, non-warring condition of a nation, group of nations, or the world. So typically when we think of peace, we think the absence of conflict. And yet, the biblical idea of peace goes much, much farther than this simple definition, And to get an idea of the biblical picture of peace, we're going to uh, read Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 together. And as we we get ready to stand and read the word of the Lord together, I'm going to ask uh, Michelle and LaVon Horrell to come and to light our two Advent candles this morning. They're they're two of the purple ones. You can pick whichever two of the purple ones you want. Um, But as they're coming to do that, uh, let's stand and let's read Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 together. It's a short verse, but it simply says this. Let's, let's read this verse together. It says, how beautiful, maybe, there we go. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. As they light the candle, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much this morning for the blessing of your word. We thank you for the message of peace that Christ Jesus has brought to our world. We thank you so much for the the fact that, that in the Bible, peace doesn't simply mean the absence of war, the absence of conflict, but it goes much, much deeper than that. And so this morning, as we look at peace, and we look at this in the context of Romans chapter 10, will you open our eyes to the ways that our world fights, that our world has a desire for this peace? And and may you show us this morning how that's only available through the gospel of Christ and give us the boldness to proclaim peace through Christ to our world. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you, ladies, for lighting our candle this morning. 
Now, I have, I have an overall topic that, that kind of covers everything that we're going to talk about this morning and then kind of three uh, subtopics that we'll get to. So, so our first, our main idea for the morning is, is quite simply this. Real, lasting peace is only available in Christ Jesus. Real, lasting peace is only available in Christ Jesus. Now, as I said, we're going to spend the bulk of our time in Romans chapter 10. Um, but before we do, and, and you'll see when we get there, Romans chapter 10, Paul quotes this passage from Isaiah, where, where we're told, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald, who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. And so, very quickly, I want us to, to visit about this idea of peace in Scripture. In the Old Testament, the, the word that's most often translated peace for us is the Hebrew word shalom. That means much more than just an absence of conflict. It, it conveys things like health, things like safety, things like prosperity. It carries with it the idea of wholeness. And so it's not just an absence of fighting and an absence of conflict, but, but it's really an idea of human flourishing. That was the Old Testament idea of shalom. And so when we, when we look through the lens of the New Testament, then we see that this flourishing, this wholeness, this completeness is only available to those who've been redeemed from sin and delivered from death and brought into life through Christ Jesus. So look with me quickly at Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Paul's writing, he says, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe him without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? See, what we see here is that the world desires peace. The world desires peace, and yet Paul's saying, how can they, if we believe that peace is only available through Christ Jesus, Paul writes, how can they call on him they've not believed in? How can they believe without hearing from him or hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher. See, if our default state then as human beings is that we're separated from God, then, then surely our default state as humans means that we have a lack of peace. And I don't think you have to look very far in our world to understand that as a whole, we are a people who lack peace. And so then if the message of peace must be proclaimed, we, we know this is not a universal experience because Paul's asking these questions. How can they call on him they've not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? How can they hear without a preacher? There's an absence of something that, that the world is missing but that they long for. In fact, the Bible tells us that before we came to Christ, we were enemies of God. In Ephesians 2, 12, this is the way Paul writes it to the church at Ephesus. He says, at that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Does that not scream of an absence of peace, a longing for peace? Foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. 
And so, apart from a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot experience this peace. And I would, I would beg you, I would urge you, if you don't understand what it's like to live with this lasting, abundant peace, you will not appreciate the grace and the mercy of Christ Jesus. So if that's you, I beg you today to, to make this the day that you step from death to life in Christ Jesus and come to know real, lasting peace in your life. But that's not all. So, so we've seen that the, that the world desires peace. And Paul's asking, well, how, how are they going to find it unless someone tells them? That brings us to the, to the second sub-point that we have this morning. That is simply this, that the church declares peace. We as followers of Christ have been given the responsibility to be the herald of good news. We see this in verse 15. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now Paul shortens Isaiah 52.7 because we know that that the rest of that, he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And, and that is, in fact, part of Isaiah's message. But he goes on to say, who proclaims salvation. The, the, the feet of those who, bring, who proclaim peace. Who proclaims salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. In our world today, that it seems like we're constantly on the brink of war with somebody. Is it not good news to say, listen, no matter what happens in our world, no matter what North Korea does or doesn't do, my sense of peace is not found in the lack of conflict between nations. My sense of peace is not even found in the lack of conflict between persons. My sense of peace is found in Christ Jesus, the one who came to say, to, to set the world at peace with God. Now, we have to be careful here. And, and the reason I say this is because one of the condemnations that God had for false prophets in the Old Testament was that they declared this peace, they declared this shalom when there was no shalom. So, for instance, in Jeremiah 6.14 and then again in Jeremiah 8.11, uh, both of these verses say the exact same thing. And this is God's message to the, the people about the false prophets. He says this, They have treated my people's brokenness superficially, claiming peace, peace, when there is no peace. God condemns these false prophets who said, you know what? Everything is fine. I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay. You, you, you don't worry because everything's going to work out fine. You just go live your best life now and everything will be fine. And God says, no, they're, they're, they're treating my people's brokenness. I love the way the, the Christian standard puts this. They're treating my people's brokenness superficially. Like trying to put a Band-Aid on a compound fracture. You got a bone sticking out here. Let's just cover that up. And yet, don't we see the same thing happening today? In fact, I would, I, would, I would argue that many churches today are doing this. You know, your greatest need in life is, is just for you to feel better about you. And we just need to build up some self-confidence in you and, and for you to start, you know, believing more um, like the little engine that could. You know, I think I can, I think I can. Hey, I can. 
You know, whatever you believe about God is fine. You, you just chase after your, your own understanding of who God is and, and everything will be fine in the end. Is that not treating people's brokenness superficially? Because the Bible says this. So this is the good news. The good news that's only available through Christ Jesus. And let's turn our attention back now to Ephesians 2. We looked at verse 12. I'm going to add 13 in while I go. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. And thankfully Paul doesn't say, let's just put a band-aid on that. Let's just get folks a little more self-confident. He says, no, no, here's the answer to that. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we were once separated from God like the rest of mankind. But now through Christ Jesus, our relationship has been restored. We were once were far off, but now we've been brought near. And that frees us to live at peace with others. Think about that for a second. Because if my relationship with God's been restored... And if that was my main, because that was my, my main issue in life, was that my relationship with God was, uh, was broken. Because the Bible says I was at war with Almighty God. If that's been restored, and He has forgiven all of my sins, what excuse, what right do I have to hold any kind of a grudge against someone else? It's only when we come to understand what God has done for us in forgiving our sins that we can declare to others peace. We can declare to one another within the church, listen, there's nothing that's going to drive a wedge between us because I've, my, my sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. And we can declare to the world, this is how to experience peace. So that frees us to live at peace with others. And, and listen, if we're going to be heralds of this peace, if we're going to be obedient to what God's called us to do, we had better make sure that we're doing our best to live as people of peace as well. And, and the Bible has a few things to say about that as well. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 9, Jesus declares, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And then Paul fleshes that out a little bit in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, and he, he gives us this command. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, now there's a qualifier here, but, but don't let that let you off the hook too easily. Because he says, uh, there may... In, in this statement is implicit that there may be some people you cannot live at peace with. But he would turn around and say, don't you dare let that be because of you. You do everything you can to live at peace with everybody. With your annoying neighbor. With your annoying coworker, or your annoying boss. Or your annoying spouse, right? You, as far as it depends on you, you live at peace with everybody. Christian, don't, don't you dare let you be the reason there's not peace in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in the checkout line at Walmart. 
Don't you dare let you be the reason there's not peace. But again, that's not all. Okay, so, so yes, the world desires peace. And yes, we as the church have been tasked with declaring this peace. But we have one final promise to understand this morning that ties everything else together. And that is this promise that Christ delivers peace. And we're going to back up and look at uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Because we're given this promise. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will experience this peace. Will be reconciled unto Christ. See, if, if the world desired peace, and if, if we as the church declared peace, but Christ didn't actually deliver that, we would be frauds. Thankfully, Paul gives this promise that yes, we can, you you can, I can, our world can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Today, the promise is you can be brought from death to life. Today, you can be brought from far to near through the blood of Christ Jesus spilled for you. And, and not just you, your wayward child can be brought from death to life. Your neighbor can be brought from death to life. Your coworker, your boss can be brought from death to life. This is an invitation that I believe Scripture makes clear is open to everyone. Now, will everyone respond? Of course not. We, we know that. And yet, I believe the invitation stands for everyone to repent and believe on the name of Christ, as we've said before, to turn from sin, to trust in Christ. And so, if you're here today and you've never come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, then I extend this invitation to you today. Turn from sin. Trust in Christ. Put your faith in Him as Lord and Savior. And begin to experience this peace that we've been talking about. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, that's, that's not me. I've, I know that I've, I've had that salvation experience. I've, I've turned from sin. I've trusted in Christ. I know, have no doubts about my salvation. And yet, I'm not experiencing this peace. This is not a reality in my life. And, and to you, I, I would say that we have a couple of steps that we can take as well. If, if, if you would say, I, I know I'm in Christ, but, but there's just not... I'm, this, this peace that I'm promised is not a reality in my life right now. First of all, I would say we, we start by confession. We examine our heart. We, we, we ask the Lord to reveal sin in our lives. And, and we obey John, uh, 1 John 1, 1.9, which says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we obey and we trust Him to do what He said He will do here. That, that if we confess, he, he forgives. As, as we've said before, the, the life of a believer is not marked by perfection. If that's your goal, you're going to continually be frustrated. And, and, and you'll continually have this lack of joy and this lack of peace in your life if you think that someday you're going to reach this point where, where sin just isn't an issue for you anymore. Or you just don't struggle. That's not reality this side of heaven. So the believer's life then is marked not by perfection, but by 
confession. When, when I recognize sin in my life, do I, do I hold it close and do I try to hide it or, or do I confess it to the Lord and confess to those that I've, that I've harmed so that that fellowship with the Lord stays, stays close that peace and that joy remain um, constant in, in my life. So, so that's the first thing I would say. If you're, if you're here and you'd say, I'm, I know I'm a believer, but there's just not a whole lot of peace. There's not a whole lot of joy. Start, start by confessing. And maybe that's as simple as confessing attitudes that aren't biblical, that aren't healthy. And then secondly, we, we choose to believe what Scripture declares. And, and uh, one of those is in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what, what if we as the people of God actually believe that? Hey, as, as a follower of Christ, I've been, I've been declared righteous by faith, and I have peace with God. If you have that assurance, does that not free you to, to declare peace to other people? Man, let me, let me share with you what I've experienced. Even though you're still going to mess up, and, and, and follower of Christ, if you haven't yet come to understand this, you're going to mess up. Good, I didn't see anybody go. <gasps> okay, good. So we've, we've all experienced that. Okay, great. Good. And yet when we sin, we... we this, this peace with God doesn't have to be wrecked. Why? Because he said we've been declared righteous. We've been brought from darkness to light, from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. We've been brought from death to life, and there's no going back if you're a follower of Christ. What kind of peace should that create in our lives right there, knowing, hey, no matter what happens in this life, I... I, I I may not know many things for sure, but I, but I know this. There's no going back. I've been brought near through the blood of Christ. And there's no being separated again. If we believed that peace. Now, now as we discussed a couple weeks ago, our, our hearts have a tendency to deceive us, even as believers. And so, when we don't feel like we're at peace with God, what do we do? We, we trust the unchanging word of God. And believe what he has said about us. And we come to know and understand that we have peace with God. And as we do that, that will help us to live at peace with others. So, then finally, what do we do when our circumstances are less than ideal? Okay, great. I've got peace with God. Um, what about peace with my banking account? With my checking account? That would be awesome. Peace with my creditors, peace with my bills, that, that would be awesome, right? Well, so what happens when, when our circumstances are less than ideal? Or even though maybe I have peace with God, peace with my mom is just not there yet. P peace with our family, like, like you know, we're, we're declaring peace and joy knowing that, uh, that Christmas could be kind of tense this year. Well, what do we do when, when our circumstances don't match this reality that Scripture says we ought to have? Well, Philippians 4 a, a book that's written all about how to have joy in the Lord, and Paul's writing it as he's sitting in prison, chained to a guard, right? So he's not writing this from some ivory tower. He's writing this from, from what would look a lot more like a dungeon than a penthouse. And yet he says this, 
Don't worry about anything. That sounds a whole lot different from prison than it does from a penthouse, doesn't it? Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now just think about the absurdity from a human standpoint of this happening. Paul's in prison for declaring his faith. He's he's in prison because he wouldn't shut up about the gospel. He's probably chained to a guard, which you know he's preaching to him all day long, right? I mean, this guard's getting an earful every single day. And he's writing back to this church in Philippi. Hey, don't don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. You're not in control of of most of the stuff that that goes on in your life anyway. So, So why are you worrying about it? Present your request to God. Give, give it to Him. He tells him, don't, don't, don't feel sorry for me because I'm in prison. He said, because when, when you do that, when, when, when you don't worry about it, when you decide to, to turn things over, over to God and, and trust that He'll do what He said He'll do, He says, there's a peace that I can't even explain. I can't even put into words. I I can't even understand this peace that I have. But I know it's there. And I know if I've experienced it in the middle of prison, he says, you you can experience it in your circumstance as well. This will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the peace that, that comes when we come to know God is not some sort of ethereal... Um, Hollywood idea of peace. It's a peace that doesn't make sense to us, but that we can say is a reality, even when circumstances are not what we want them to be or not what we thought they would be. This is the way Adrian Rogers describes biblical peace. And I love this. He says, peace is not the subtraction of problems. It's the addition of power to meet those problems. So if if you wrestle with peace, let me me remind you of the the exact same thing that Jesus told his followers in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus recognized that even in the first century, people would, would spend their time worrying about things that haven't happened yet. Right? We're, we're really good as people about um, working up these, these scenarios that, that stress us out uh, about things that are, that are not even realities yet. He said, why, why do you worry about tomorrow? Jesus says, Does, doesn't today have enough trouble of, of its own? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, t- tomorrow, there will be plenty of time to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Because Scripture promises that the Lord's mercies are new every day. One of the reasons that worrying about tomorrow robs us of peace and robs us of joy is because we haven't received the mercy to handle tomorrow's problems yet. 
When tomorrow comes, we'll have the grace and the mercy and the peace to handle that. Worry about today. I pray for you as a follower of Christ that this peace is reality. That, that even when other people look at your, at your life and, and, and see that maybe life hasn't turned out the way that, that you'd hoped it would, that you can still say, you know what, it hasn't turned out the way that, that I've hoped it would, but, but Christ has walked with me every step of the way. And even though maybe there's not a whole lot of, of peace in your circumstances, you can say, I have a peace with Christ that surpasses all understanding. And so if you're here today and you would say, I've never come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. I don't, I don't have that peace. I would love to pray with you and we stand to sing in just a few moments and tell you how you can come to know Christ Jesus. Not just for the, the peace, not just for the eternal life, but, but for His sake. For, for, the, for the sake of knowing Him. And understand that when you come to know Him, all these things are included with that. And maybe today you just need to pray and, and say, you know, I, maybe there's some stuff you need to confess, attitudes or actions that are, that are robbing you of peace, robbing you of joy. And, and simply, simply confess that to, to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I've not trusted you. I don't, I don't have the peace that I should have. I don't have the joy in my, in my salvation. As always, the altar is open. If you just want to come and, and, and spend a few minutes on your knees before the Lord, please do that. If you, if you need to visit with somebody, I'll be right down here on your right. Chuck will be right down here on, on your left. And um, I would invite you to spend this time focusing on the Lord. Let's pray, and then we'll enter our time of invitation. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this promise of peace that we have in Scripture, that regardless of what our circumstances are, we can have this constant, abiding peace that, as Paul said, surpasses all understanding. Will you help us to experience that as believers? Will you help us to take time through, through the busyness of this season to quiet our hearts and to quiet our minds and to focus on you and your word, being reminded of these promises. Being reminded that you deliver peace to your people. And then, oh God, help us. Help us to be people who are declaring this good news to the world. That you want so much more for us than simply to not be at war with one another. That you want us to be whole. You want us to be complete in you. The only way that we can be. God, bring that peace to our lives. Make that be a tangible reality this morning and this week and this season and into next year for your people. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. 
If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you this week.